bits. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. Did you guys like that music in the background as we're reading that psalm? Tony, get back up here. We'll do it for the whole sermon. (laughs) Hey, it's all for Jesus, man. (laughs) Oh, God is so good to us, isn't he, guys? He is good. Even when life is rough. Man, give me Jesus. That is it. He's the only one that satisfies. If you're born again, you know what I'm talking about. He is the great I am. He is the becoming one. He is everything that we need. Amen? Amen. Wow. Fun passages this morning. Um, my notes are super short. Thus, my wife said, you've got to keep study short. We need to be done at 11 because of kids' church. Uh, normally when my notes are short, those are the longest sermons we have. Um, <laughs> but the Word of God is so good. I don't know if you guys have been enjoying the Gospels, but it's just been neat. Our Thursday morning group has just been cruising through. We're about to finish John uh, this Thursday morning, and we've been in Matthew here since the beginning of the year, and it is just refreshing just to see Jesus because we want to know God, God in the flesh, guys. You want to know what it's like? You want to get his heart? You want to know what he thinks about things? Man, get into his word. Get into his word. It's beautiful. And this morning, I love what's set before us. Uh, We're going to pick it up in verse 28. Uh, Left off last week in verse 27. So that's why we're in verse 28. Um, I love that we're a Bible church. I bumped into uh, a couple friends yesterday at Joe Roberts' wedding, Joe and Nicole Roberts. Congratulations to you guys. We love you. Um, beautiful wedding. Just, Do you guys know marriage is supposed to be a beautiful picture of the gospel? And I was so blessed yesterday that my kids got to be at a Christian wedding. Just the example of Christ's love. Okay, it was just beautiful. I'm like, yeah, guys, this is the way it's supposed to be. That's what marriage is about. It's It's a picture of Christ's love for the church. It's for his glory, a man and woman become one, a wholeness to glorify him. It's a beautiful picture. Um, Why am I talking about the wedding? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I got to see so many people because me and Joe have kind of traveled in the same circles through the years. And I've seen people that I hadn't seen for 15 plus years, you know. And a couple of them, it's just like, I hear you're pastoring at the Bible church. Two different people said that, and it blessed my heart because I'm the pastor of a Bible church. That's what they know Freedom Fellowship for. We're the Bible people. And I'm just like, that's cool. Come visit. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I love the Word of God, guys. Um, this is going to be so good this morning. I'm hoping that we receive because we're going to get into um, some people who didn't want Jesus. They didn't want to receive him. And I think that's... Some of the saddest things that we see in the scriptures is when people harden their hearts and want nothing to do with God. And that is a reality that we live in today, uh, right now, all around us, right here in our own backyard. A lot of people that want nothing to do with Jesus, and there's no one better than him. Um, We have hope, guys. Let's get into the scriptures, otherwise we'll never get done. All right, verse 28. When he, Jesus, he had come to the other side now, to the country of the garrisons. And he met him two demon-possessed men 
coming out of the tombs. Try to picture this. Two demon-possessed men. Have you guys ever seen anyone demon-possessed? Pretty gnarly. Sometimes they're foaming, their eyes, anyways. Um, <laughs> they're coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have you, or have we, to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Are you guys catching what these demon-possessed dudes are laying? These demons are laying some theology down. They know the Bible, okay? Check out then what they say uh, in verse 30 then. Now a good way or far off from them, there was a herd of many pigs, swine, feeding. So the demons begged him. They were crying out out to him and they were asking of him if you cast us out permit us to go away into this herd of swine and he said to them go and so when they had come out they went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the water then those who kept them fled and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came to meet Jesus. Yes! And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. That's one of the saddest scriptures in all the Bible, guys. Wow, these men who have been tormented have been set free. And the man, God, who did this, we don't want. We don't want him here. Sad verse. Put a little sad face in your Bible next to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back. The, these Gadarean demoniacs. Um, G. Campbell Morgan. If you guys want a good commentator, check him out. I love reading him. In 1937, so 80 years ago, um, he said this, I cannot personally read my newspaper today, or we could say I, I can't personally turn on the television and check out the news without believing that there are still demon-possessed men in the world. Just open your eyes, guys. There is so much evil out there, and there are people that are demon-possessed. Um, you cannot see the supernatural realm of angels and demons. We can't see that. There's a lot going on that we don't know about. Um, there's protection. I believe that God has given to us a fellowship. I know Satan hates what we do here. I have been in churches that aren't biblically sound, very emotionally driven, and there has been manifestations of demons in these churches and fellowships. And for a while, I scratched my head. Why are we not spiritual enough? Like, why? There's had to be people show up at church who've been demon-possessed. Why, why aren't... I believe that God has given us protection here. That that is not allowed. Okay? Um, and I think a part of it is because there's truth that is being declared when we take the Word of God seriously. But I've seen this happen in churches where a manifestation takes place Instead of doing what we intended to do on gathering together and having a worship service, it gets totally derailed because demon, someone's demon-possessed. But when this happens, we, as a body of Christ, are we called to do something about it? 
Some of you guys might be like, what are you talking about? Start serving Jesus. Your eyes will be open to the reality that there are people in bondage. They are oppressed, even possessed by demons themselves. Okay? Um, the scriptures speak clearly of it. We don't see a whole lot. How many of you guys have been on the mission field? All right. Just saying demons on the mission field? Yeah. Yeah, go serve the Lord. Go to a third world country. Satan's got us pretty duped. There is no supernatural, so why would Satan want the supernatural being exposed all around us? There are people right here in our own backyard that are oppressed, possessed by Satan. But this is a reality in the world. I've gotten to travel dozens and dozens of countries, and that's where I've seen most activity of demon possession take place. But what I want to see here, and this is part of the story, but there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger reality set before us, and it's Jesus, okay? Because there's so much going on, so much taking place that we have no idea about. I believe in plenty of things that we can't see physically. I believe it. Do you guys believe that? Right now, there's signals going on through this room that we're not picking up, okay? YouTube, Facebook, iTunes. If you have a smartphone, you might be able to grab that signal. <laughs> but I think if we are smart believers, we're going to be in tune with the supernatural. Have you guys ever been so impressed just to start praying for a specific thing? Safety, protection, a burden. Wake up in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit impresses someone so heavy upon your heart. What is going on? He does that. I was thousands of miles away in a castle in Austria. And there was a, I was a best man in this man's wedding. I knew him and his wife very well. We led Bible studies together. I hadn't talked to them in months at this point. And I wake up in the middle of the night. What's going on? They're upon my heart like crazy heavy. Well, the men were, to, they were in this little villa, little house from the castle. The only phone there was was in the castle where the girls got to stay because they're special. Anyways, <laughs> they're, they're, they're in the castle, and the men are not supposed to go in there in the middle of the night, but it was so heavy on my heart, I need to call back home what the heck is going on and i'm just praying interceding praying in the spirit and i go and i call and jenny picks up the phone just weeping crying and i'm like this is landed she's like how did you know because it was an odd hour and stuff this man brandon had just manifested a demon on them in their room or their living room a good friend Someone who claimed to be a Christian. I don't think Christians can be possessed, by the way. But, you know, this is going on. And there's things in the supernatural realm that are always going on, guys. And it's good just to be in tune and ask God. Because it's not natural for us. But if you want to be used for kingdom business, ask him, teach me how to intercede for others. Okay, as an under-shepherd, I love you guys. And I pray that. I think of you often but there's so much going on. There's so many people. And I just ask, Lord, if there's something specific, just show me. <laughs> Let me pray. Show me how to pray. Okay, We need to do that for one another because there are so many things going on that we don't know. So back to our short study this morning. Um, background in other accounts of this um, 
this account. We see in Mark, he said, they lived in the tombs also, these Gadarean demoniacs. They couldn't be held with chains. In the past, they had pulled apart chains and broke their shackles. They couldn't be tamed. They cried out day and night, Mark told us. And also they would cut themselves with stones. Okay, don't be a cutter. <laughs> don't do it. Um, Luke, can I share another demon story real quick? Okay, not that we're to be fascinated with it because our eyes is to be on Jesus. And I don't know if I shared this with you guys before, but I went up to the mental health ward up in Green Bay for juveniles, okay? There was a young gal. And the first time I went up there, the Lord told me before I went in, he's like, I'm gonna show you what's going on. Many of these kids, they had like a lobby area, uh, games, books for the kids. They had free time during the visitation time. So they were all together in this one big room. And I go walking in, middle of winter, my big yellow jacket, my Bible inside my yellow jacket, so nobody knows I had a Bible. Nobody could tell I wasn't wearing my Christian hat at the time, so nobody could know that I was a believer. Well, I walked in, and the second I walked in the door, every head in the room turned to me, and blasphemies to the living God became, started coming out of these kids' mouths, and things were being spoken right at me. And the Lord had just spoken to me. I'm going to show you what's going on up here. And many of the kids were demon-possessed. It's crazy. And the young gal I went to see, she's like, what is going on? She had been up there for a few days. Nothing like that had happened. She's like, what is going on? And we just sat and prayed. I went up there to minister her, but she loves Jesus too. We ended up just praying a whole bunch. The second time I went up to see her, guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing. No one looked at me when I went through the door the second time. The Lord showed me this is what's going on with these young people. And you guys know I have a heart for youth. I believe Satan is after our kids. I think our kids are on the front lines. You think about what they're being taught. It's from the pit of hell. Okay? There is no godliness out there. They suppress the truth. Okay? There's a spiritual reality in battle that is going on. Um, a little more background. Luke said of these Gadarene demoniacs, they had these demons for a long time. They wore no clothes, and they had many demons. Um, can I tell you another demon story? I don't have these in my notes, but I'm reading this stuff. Keep thinking. You guys know I did jail ministry for six years as a chaplain here in Outagami and stuff. I had two gals manifest on me while I was up there through the years. One wanted her clothes off. Okay. Uh, she was a Muslim Native American, and she just went off. The cops came in. What is going on? You know, she could not take the truth of Jesus just speaking his name, she just started manifesting like crazy, okay? Um, another gal up there, uh, she dabbled in the occult. She had read the whole Bible that, while she was up there and had been ministering to her, but there wasn't a coming to faith. And we finally had that opportunity to get down, like what is actually going on? What, what is holding you back from coming to the Lord? Um, and in that conversation, she started grinding her teeth, like hard. I'm like, what are you, are you okay? And she started speaking with another voice. And I'm just like, oh boy. And then the manifestation just got crazy on me. And I'm sitting there praying. And guys, afterwards, I had to call the, the officers in to grab this scowl. Um, yeah. There's a reason why I didn't cast a demon out of her. It's one of those things, guys, someone needs to be in a place to receive Jesus Christ. Do you guys know that? Okay? Otherwise, we're told in scriptures, if you cast out a demon, what's that demon going to do? Go get some buddies and come back, and that person's going to be worse off, possessed with more, like one of these guys uh, in Gattery in there. 
uh, legion of demons was in him. Not just one, many demons had possessed that man. And I've seen that happen. The first person that I ever saw delivered a young youth girl, beautiful voice, sang on the worship team. We had a retreat. She manifested, charismatic church. Um, <laughs> anyway, she came back uh, six months later at the next retreat. She had three demons that time. We spoke to three different demons in her. She's speaking with the voice of a man, a little teenage girl. And that's when I began to study, what does the scripture say about this? And I won't cast a demon out of anybody, and we have that authority in Christ. You guys know that? He's given us that authority. Unless they're willing to repent and give their life to Christ, or they're going to be worse off than they were. So until someone's actually willing to yes, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, no way. But anyways... Sorry, sidetrack. Matthew, he also adds this about this account. He said they were exceedingly fierce and no one could pass uh, that way. So supernatural strength. Okay, I've seen that happen too. A um, little bit of background uh, to this. It's up north. It was the only place that had steep cliffs and caves that would actually go along with the story too. Um, I want to share with you what Satan will do for man. Okay, you guys know that he's alive and well. Those who ignore Satan altogether, while well, I don't believe in him, they don't believe the Bible. Okay, check out 2 Corinthians 4 4. He's the God of this age, he's blinding people to the gospel. That is what he does. He hates us. Um, we're going to be speaking about that at our men's retreat in depth. There's a spiritual war going on that most Christians are just clueless to, and we need to engage, especially as men, leaders in our homes, leaders in the church. We need to be equipped and ready to fight. But let me share with you guys what Satan wants to do for man. He wants to rob him of his sanity, self-control, fill him with fears, rob him of joys that are in the home, uh, joys of having friendships, and condemn him eternal to eternity, uh, eternal judgment, okay, if God allows. I mean, that's what he wants to do. So uh, Satan stinks, Amen. All right, enough talking about him. Um, here's what society will do for a man in need. We'll try to restrain him, threaten him, but society is unable to change him. It's one of the reasons they allow the jail ministry up there, okay? Um, in, in, because they have tons of programs and they're seeing crazy change and result, transformation, people really um, transformed through Fox Valley Jail Ministry. Why? Because it's Jesus. He's in the business of making people new. And they have all these other programs to reform people, and they're not seeing even close to the results that this one program has in the jail. All glory to God, I think is pretty cool. But society wants to help, but without Christ, can you really help somebody? No. You see, uh, what does Jesus want to do? What is what is the Savior? What can he do for a man who, whose whole life, within and without, is bondage and battle? Well, he came to them. Did you guys catch that? Jesus went to them, even braved a storm to do it, as we saw last week, and he delivered them by the power of his word. He restored them to sanity, to society, and to service, and he freed him clothed him, and set him in his right mind. That's what Jesus is able to do. Well, that's great. Jesus is in heaven. 
Exactly. And we are his hands and feet, church. That's our job. That's what we get to do. And greater is he who is in you than he who is of the world. We don't need to be scared of this reality, these people who are tormented by Satan or possessed by Satan. We have the truth of the gospel. We have the hope to share. And if anybody is willing to receive, they can be set free, guys. So what Jesus did for these two demoniacs, he will do for anyone else who needs him. Can you still say, I don't think he would accept me? Well, did God go out of his way to save you? Think about that. He came a whole long ways to earth. Long ways just for you. If you were the only one on this earth, he still would have came and died upon that cross so your sin could be forgiven. That's our Jesus, guys. So did he do anything out of the norm to save you? How many of you guys love hearing brothers and sisters' testimonies? I love it. You know, I love to see how God got people. You know. So the demons, they besought Jesus to send them into swine. The citizens of Gadara begged him to leave. And then the one man besought him to let him follow. And it's interesting to me that Jesus answers the prayers of the demons, the pig peddlers of Gadaria here, but not the prayer of the man that was healed. Did you guys catch that? Really? You're going to answer these prayers, but not the guy you just healed. Well, basically, guys, um, and then it tells us here, and then basically tells him, hey, you need to go back home. And do you guys know that Christian service begins in the home? You know that? If you're married, number one ministry, the two shall become one. <laughs> okay? We are to love, serve, pray for one another. If you have kids, man, what a calling. Discipleship in the home. It's huge. And Christian service begins there. The Bible says if a man's house is not in order, he has no business serving in the church. That's the only stipulation that Scripture gives. And I have accountability around me. Men in leadership, we ask, how are we doing? How's home life? Okay, because <laughs> if that's not being taken care of, we, it begins in the home. Do you guys get the point here? And that's what Jesus asked this man to go. You're healed. Go back home. Now, I want to look at the demon statement of faith. Some of you guys might be like, are we really talking about demons at church? This is the beauty of going through the entirety of the Bible. We don't get to pick and choose. But I want a feel-good sermon today. I hope you guys are feeling good today because this should open our eyes a little more to the reality that's going on that we actually wake up and engage in the battle. And if something crazy does happen, that we're equipped and we're ready, okay? But I want you guys to catch that these demons, they have a statement of faith. Do you guys know that James tells us even the demons believe and tremble? Okay, so they have a faith. Their theology, what they think about God, theology, well, it talks of God as the Father. Wow! They had a grasp of that truth. They also, when it comes to Christology, they knew God had a Son and that He was Him, that Jesus was Him. They knew that. And they also had an understanding of end times, eschatology. They knew the reality of their future judgments. If you haven't studied Revelation, I encourage you guys to begin to read. We have them up on our Vimeo. We went verse by verse through the book of Revelation. There is a coming judgment, lake of fire, that has been prepared for Satan and his angels, the demons. 
Now the demons also believed in prayer. They knew Jesus' power to send them into the abyss or into swine. They knew that. That's why they asked. I wonder if atheists are beneath demons in the judgment scale. At least they believe. Verse 31, the demons even needed permission to enter the pig. I think that's cool. Verse 32, and he said to them, go. So when they had come out, they went into this herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd, they ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the water. So why waste words on demons? Go. Out. Sometimes it is that easy, guys. I've seen people delivered just with a word. There's others that only come out by prayer and fasting. What is going on? I've been called in because I've dealt with that stuff. I've had other pastors call me like, hey, would you be willing to come? So-and-so has a son that's demon-possessed. Can you join me? Yeah, let's pray. Let's fast before we go. Um, We need to be ready. So doesn't God care about pigs? Mark says there was about 2,000. That's a big herd, isn't it? And that's what they were known for, pig herders. Also, Jesus values man more than pigs, more than sheep that we'll see in chapter 12, verse 12. And then didn't we just read he cares about us even more than birds, right? In chapter 6, verse 26. Now, if you look at verse 33, including here the healing of these demoniacs seem to be reported as a secondary matter here, right? But instead, it was the central point of the narrative. That's what it's about. To some, men's souls are secondary to swine. This is my livelihood. This is my career. This comes first, and then maybe we'll care about the souls of others. That was the mentality of this people. Verse 34, a whole city coming out to meet Jesus. Wow! Wouldn't that be cool? How many people live in Kakana? 15,000? And quite a few of you guys live in Kakana. Wouldn't that be cool if the whole city just showed up? Why is the whole city here? They've come to see Jesus. And I hope that we could show him well here at Freedom Fellowship. That it's not a show. We're not playing church. We're not here for people's money. We're here to glorify Jesus, to exalt his name, to be serious about what he says. So a whole city, unanimous in their appeal to him too. And their appeal, depart from us. Sad. Sad. Jesus indulges this man's wishes. He immediately left and he didn't return. In Matthew 15, I just can jot down verse 12, but uh, it it speaks of the disciples. Um, They tell Jesus, Do you know what the Pharisees were offended about when they heard this saying? And then verse 12 says this, and it 
It was a neat response that I caught this week as I was reading. The response was, let them alone, these religious dudes, these Pharisees, okay? Leave them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. Man, chilling words, huh? Leave them alone. You guys know that blind people follow blind teachers because they really want to be blind? Do you know how many people that I've shared, they're in some, caught up in some tradition and you lay out the gospel, the truth of the scriptures, you open the word of God with them, but they're still willing to cling to false teaching, their crazy tradition. And I think the reason is it's because they're okay being blind. I don't want the real Jesus. I don't want to be all in. I like what I've known. I don't want to know more. And that's why they sit in these churches that are being led by blind people. Chilling words there, guys. But now the opposite's true, okay? When we desire his presence, he will indulge our wishes. Do you guys know that? If we draw near to him, he'll do what? He draws near to us. That's a promise, okay? We want to draw near to him. That's why we're here this morning. Before prayer, this, or prayer before service this morning, that was our cry to God, like, hey, we want to meet with you. <laughs> we want everybody that walks through these doors to experience your presence, that their hearts would be open to you, that they would hear from you and meet with you today. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. Do you guys know that? And it's not going to be some hyped-up, experiential, emotional-driven thing, you know? We could have Tony up here playing, you know, some chords as I preach. Maybe that, no, that's not, I mean, it's cool, but it's Jesus, okay? He is alive. He is God. He's a person, okay? He is with us. And I love the scriptures that speak into this. He'll indulge our, uh, you know, our wishes. You guys remember the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, verses 20 and 8? 28 and 29 if you're taking notes by this time they were nearing Emmaus and they were at the end of their journey Jesus acted as if they were going on but they begged him stay the night with us for the hour is getting late so he went home with them don't you love that stay with us I love the woman at the well John chapter 4 okay uh, she persuaded her neighbors even, come see him. You got to hear what he said to me. And when they came to see, see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed there for two more days. I love it. So this man, healed man, he preached in uh, De De uh, Decapolis. Uh, Mark 5.20 tells us there, through his city, there was more in, they were more into pigs than people. It's just sad. So the lessons, I think, for you and I this morning here, Jesus brings peace in stormy situations, whether in Galilee or Gadra there, on the Mediterranean, as we saw last week, or even in my backyard, my own backyard. You guys know that? Jesus wants to bring peace right where you're at. He comes to you this morning, but will you receive him now? Or will you send him away? He's not going to force himself upon anybody. He won't. He will come. He will reveal himself. 
but like these guys, will we receive or will we send Jesus? I don't want you, Jesus. And he's not going to for He's a gentleman. Do you guys know that? Love is patient. Love waits. It does not force itself upon anybody. So I think, guys, you will see him as an irksome intruder or a blessed intruder. But he does desire to intrude. A lot of you guys will testify that. Jesus crashed into my life. I didn't see him coming. <laughs> he crashed into my life. And how many, of the, how many people have we had in our own lives that maybe they were that unwelcome, uninvited person into your life that ends up being your best friend maybe or maybe even your husband, poor Sonny, uh, <laughs> you know, or a trusted colleague. I mean, there are those people that come into our lives and we just don't know about and they end up being a blessing. And that's the same thing. Jesus is introduced to people. He comes into people's lives and if he is welcomed, they will be most blessed. Most blessed. Oh, all right. Let's move on to chapter nine. Spiritual paralysis here. It says in verse one, Matthew nine. So he got into a boat, he crossed over and he came to his own city. And then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes within themselves, this man blasphemes. I don't know if that's how they sound on the inside, but that's how I think they sound on the inside. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And guess what he did, guys? He rose. <laughs> and he departed to his house. Now, verse 8, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and they glorified God who had given such power to men. So Jesus had shown himself, guys, here, powerful over sickness, over storms. But what could he do about sin? Isn't that the big question? What could he do about sin? We're told in verse 1 that he went back to his own city, so he's back to Capernaum. They, okay, the man could not be helped himself, this paralytic, right? Okay, he was lame, couldn't move. He just laid on a bed. We don't know how long, okay, but he was just lame there. And do you guys know what his friends' names were? His four friends' names were love, faith, hope, and determination. Those are the type of four friends I want in my life, don't you? Good. Be one of those friends, okay? We need to be that. I love those type of people. Now, he lowers them through the roof, okay, these roof tiles. We don't know if it was stone or just some hay with mud. Uh, I know that they found in Bethsaida and Shorzan, um, these huge roof tiles that are eight by eight and four inches thick, okay? If it was one of those, I would have been crazy <laughs> breaking through that, you know? There was a crowd around Jesus. You guys got the picture of what's going on? All these people, 
They couldn't even bring him to Jesus. So what did they do? Uh, uh, let's climb up on the roof. We'll break in from above. You know, I think that's so cool. So we're told that they were healed. It was their faith. Whose faith? I'm glad you guys asked. The four friends. It wasn't that this paralytic was believing. He had been lamed. Where is God? Why am I going through this? He doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. Sometimes people point, uh, <laughs> Jesus points out the faith of the patient, but this time it's the friends. And I think that's unique. In other times, no faith was shown. He just did a miracle. Just did a healing. You guys remember Lazarus? Okay. Yeah, he was dead. Um, <laughs> he didn't ask. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, if you're ever told that you're not healed because of your faith, uh, see how their faith is. Talked with a pastor up the road. Um, you guys know I've been struggling with depression and anxiety, and I appreciate the prayers. I really do. And God is faithful. There's a ton of grace. Um, but it's because I'm in sin that I'm struggling with this stuff. And I have really searched my heart. You know, there's no habitual sin. I'm not perfect. There's definitely evil in my heart at times that the Holy Spirit keeps working on me. You can pray I get it sooner than later. Um, but it's one of those things. She said that I didn't have enough faith. And asked her if she really believes that and has that type of faith. I'll receive prayer right now. Where's your faith at? Where's your faith at? We don't know why some are healed and some aren't. But we know the one who does. And we know the one who works things out for the good. And I can honestly say, guys, I would not wish, even though things are hard at times, I would not wish it away because I do see Jesus more than I ever have before. I'm learning to be strong in his grace in ways I never have before. I'm able to minister to people in a truth that I hadn't been able to see before. And I am truly thankful for those blessings, guys. Um, but the point is, we have the message of Jesus Christ. We have hope to share with people. Um, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pass the baskets around this morning at Freedom Fellowship. You guys might be like, but we don't do that at Freedom Fellowship. It's not for you guys to give. We have offering tithe boxes from the back of the room. I pray that you guys are getting that investing in eternal things. The gospel is a good investment. I hope God has spoken to you and your heart on the reality of being generous givers okay our father's generous i think it's a good example but in these baskets i'm going to have these sitting in the front and the back of the church from now on and inside there's a hang on sunny and i made up little packs last night of our invite cards i gave out one last week okay it's a pack of seven why because there's seven days in a week why because seven is the perfect number, Jesus tells us, okay? It's the perfect number. But I want to encourage you guys, grab a pack a week and just pray daily. Who can I invite? 
Because let me tell you what, guys, and I shared this with you last week, you know, and last week was the first time I think I ever told Freedom Fellowship, invite somebody to church. This is something we don't normally do. But I'm really under the conviction that the word of God is truth, and the truth will set people free. People need to hear. I think about how many people that I know and love that don't believe in God. You know, what if they were sitting here this morning and got to hear about the goodness of Jesus, the heart of God, how he goes out of his way to meet people? Do you think that might speak to a heart? Especially if they knew nothing of God. What if we brought a Christian who had been burnt by the church and they came and just were loved on and heard truth rather than just a whole bunch of blah, blah, blah that they felt betrayed by and burnt by. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass this around. I'm going to ask you guys, if you want, take a pack. Take a pack every week. Okay? There should be seven in each one. If there's more or less, that was probably some of the ones that Sonny made up. I know, I know. Pray for me. <laughs> so I'm going to pass these around. But I would encourage you guys, you know, sometimes we got to be like these four guys. Hey, I'm going to pick you up and bring you to church. Okay? We know church isn't God, but church is the institute that God has put in place, a local body, to be a pillar of truth in our society, to teach the truth of who God is. And hopefully when people come, I'd love it if a non-believer showed up and fell flat down on their face because they experienced the presence of the living God. And do you guys not know that you are the temple of the living God? A lot of times we think it's just our body, but if you actually read the context, he's speaking to the church. You are the temple of the living God. When we gather together, two or three gather together in my name, I am in the midst. Okay? So I encourage you guys, invite people to church. Not as a church growth movement, this is how we're going to multiply, but no, it's because God has a heart. He wants to win people's souls, but it ain't going to happen unless people are hearing the gospel, hearing the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, a couple of concluding thoughts. Uh, let's turn to Micah, Old Testament prophet. Um, near the Old Testament, we'll get into chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 18. I'm having you guys turn there because you need to circle this one. Highlight it. And I encourage you guys to bring your Bibles to church. Um, some of you guys might be like, Landon, why aren't you using your Bible when you teach? I want to. Badly. And I don't know if you guys noticed, I got new glasses. And they're bifogals. I just got them. I feel like I'm living in a fishbowl. It is the goofiest thing and stuff. But the whole reason I got them is because I want to be able to hold my Bible and be able to read and then actually look at you guys and see you at the same time. So pray that the learning curve, I need to do that. Because this morning, things are like tripping out on me a little bit. And the doctor said it might take a couple weeks for it to adjust. But pray that happens quickly because I would love just to be able to hold my Bible. <laughs> But notes in 24 font are wonderful for me right now. 
Micah 7, 18. Love this verse. And I want you guys to get the heart of it, what God is proclaiming here to us. Okay, the prophet says, where is another God like you? Where is he? Okay, who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking sins of his special people. You will not stay angry, he says with your people forever because you delight. Okay, God delights in what? In showing on failing love. Wow. Is that not the coolest verse in the whole Bible? I mean, they're all so cool, guys, but you need to circle this one. This is beautiful. Jesus brings good cheer to the saddest of hearts. That is what the scripture is saying. This is our God. He delights in loving us with unfailing love. If you feel unloved or unworthy by God, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you. He delights in you. He's not after you. And let me tell you what, you might be beating yourself up. Yeah, I know that. But I'm having a hard time walking. Receive that truth. Receive the grace of God. Because we come to him. Okay, We love him because he first loved us. Okay? He draws us with those cords of love. And it's when we respond to that love and receive that love. You can be loved and not receive it. But isn't it beautiful when you actually receive love from somebody? It's the same way with God, guys. Receive it. This is his love letter to you. Receive it. All right, so after Jesus said this to the four friends, okay, um, I think it's cool. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the kind words about forgiving him, but we brought him to be healed. <laughs> um, so Jesus deals with the sin problem first. I think it's cool that it was laid down in this order because it's really the greatest need, isn't it? Think about it. A man who's completely lame, can't take care of himself, is stuck on a bed, can't go to Jesus himself. Praise God for some good friends, right? I want to be made whole. I want to be made well. Lord, just heal me. No, what is the biggest need? Okay, it's the spiritual healing. Okay, it's the greatest need. You see, you can have a perfectly healed and fit body, but what's it going to help you in hell? That's what people care about. Who cares? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Have you been born again? Have you been healed spiritually? The healing of the heart is of the utmost importance. So do you have a heart condition? Do you have a heart of stone? Or have you called out upon the name of Jesus and turned to him and he's given you that heart of flesh, the promise of the new covenant, transformed, born again, made new? It's the only thing. There is a spiritual paralysis today. And it's gross. I'm glad you believe the way you believe. We just need to be tolerant of one another. And it's a bummer because the world's tolerant of everything except for Christians, it seems like. It's a bummer because we have the truth. <laughs> only hope there is but that's why we got to continue to fight and stand true and share the gospel in verse three and and once some of the scribes said within themselves this man blasphemes 
Jot down Mark chapter 2, verse 7, please. Because Mark adds, who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly. Okay? Jesus is God. <laughs> who can do this? Only God can. That's the whole point here. And then verse 4, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think? evil in your heart. So the great thought reader judging the thoughts and the intents of the heart, who can do that? God alone. And he knew exactly what they were thinking. So first he saw their faith and now he knew their thoughts. So he puts his questioners to question, why do you think evil in your hearts? So let's ponder this one, guys. Don't we think evil of God when something goes wrong in our lives? Quit thinking evil of God. Just don't even go there. Verse 5, which is easier, he asks. See, both are impossible to man, but both are beyond human power. See, which is easier? Well, to heal him physically, he only has to speak a word. To heal him spiritually, he had to die. Thousands have pretended to absolve a man from sin. Who would not have dared to command a disease to disappear? You see, he not only, verse 7, look, walked out physically, but he starts walking his spiritual walk to his house. So the Lord still raises many out of the paralysis of sin and making them a blessing to others. Go back, be a blessing, serve, love, share. And I want you to note verse 8, they glorified the Father. That is beautiful. Jesus moved in such a way, his father received the glory. What would Jesus do? I hope those bracelets come back. I still think that. But this is the way he lived. He walked, he served, he taught in such a way that the father received the glory. So the multitudes marveled or were afraid, <laughs> at the words glorified God, yet only saw Jesus as a man. So this formerly paralyzed man, he went home that day with a sound body and a heart of peace. So the physical paralysis is defined as a loss of ability to move and sometimes to feel anything. Then to be healed from spiritual paralysis would mean we can now move and feel Jesus changes not only our walk, but also our very pathos and the depth of our hearts and feelings. That's what happens when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know him. Your spirit, as Galatians says, cries out, Abba, Daddy. We're in a relationship. It testifies with his spirit. When you're born again, it's no longer wishful. Well, I believe... I'm trying to do my best, trying to do good. I hope I get there. I think I'm going. No, if you're born again, you know without a shadow of a doubt you're going to heaven. Okay? You feel it. You know it. We're not to go on feelings, but that's what truth does. When you truly come to Jesus, you know without a shadow of a doubt. He's just the way. I remember as a younger man, it really kind of bothered me. I'm like, Jesus, I know you're God. Why don't other people get it? How can't they see? I have people I love who think everybody gets to go to heaven because God's such a good person. We're all going to be in paradise. But I knew the truth. And I began to study other world religions. I wanted to get where are these people coming from? How can they not see it? 
had someone yesterday telling me how much Allah is like the God of the Bible and the similarities they have. Great! The Quran says that God has no son, that Jesus never died upon the cross, that he never rose from the dead. It's the same God, huh? <laughs> no way, guys. The Quran teaches everything against the gospel, the only way anyone can be saved. Sorry, side note. Let's wrap it up. We got to do communion yet. Um, let's skip down. I'll close up with thinking on verse 6. This is beautiful. I hope this is circled in your Bibles too. But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Behold, the great physician's greatest art, guys, is the power to forgive sin. Isn't that the coolest thing? Absolutely. So before the ransom was paid, before his blood sprinkled upon that mercy seat, he had power to forgive sin. So how was he able then to say this pre-cross? Let's think for a second. How could he say this before the crucifixion? Because he knew that he would do it. He knew that he would go through it for you. Even the death of the cross. So can I ask the question, what if he didn't go through it? Would this man's paralysis return? And would forgiveness only have been temporary, which really isn't forgiveness at all then. But he did not only go to the cross, but we see him risen. We see him ascending in splendor. We see him at the right hand of the throne of God. We see him pleading to his eternal father. We see him pointing to the wounds in his hands. We see him pointing to the merit of his sacrifice, or sacred sacrifice. And he has nothing more to do to win our pardon. It's the last thing he cried upon that cross. It is finished. He can, in answer to your tears, forgive your sins today and make you know it. He can breathe into your life peace. And he can make you well. He can make you whole. That is our Jesus, guys. That is our God.